to the Zone Blitz. As always, I'm Vince Miller, joined by my co-host Ashton Overholt, and we're also joined by a special guest, Troy Overholt, who is, I don't believe they're related, but we got two Overholts here, and Troy represents the Clemson fan base for us here in this episode. So, Troy, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Okay, so this is kind of our, I don't know, you could call it a state of the program or pulse of the fan base, whatever you want, but we're going to kind of interview Troy. Maybe it just leads to more of an general discussion about Clemson specifically. Ashton and I have been talking about doing a Clemson specific pod for a while. And Troy is kind of the guy to, to do that with, I think. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll get it started with my first question. My first question is basically the coordinator hires. Um, obviously Clemson losing two of their longtime coordinators, the most important one probably being Brent Venables and then hiring I believe Wes Goodwin on the defensive side and Brandon Streeter on the offensive side. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. All right. Just what are your thoughts on these hires? Like, were you expecting outside hires? Were you hoping for outside hires? Do you like the hires? Wherever you want to take this. Uh, defensively, love the hire. Uh, that I, I knew – basically next to nothing about Wes uh, Goodwin coming before this. Um, but anybody that sits under Brent Venables for 10 years, I'm good with that. Uh, and he seems to be a really smart guy. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Allegedly he's they, at different NFL teams and all recruited him pretty heavy to, to coach linebackers and different things. So I think he's regarded as a really good, smart guy at least uh, X's and O's. I was watching Clemson's Pro Day the other day. This is this is dumb, but just as far as kind of the difference, he, he was standing in a circle with like Mike Tomlin and Dabo and, and a couple other coaches and, and Dabo kind of like, you know, come over here and you know, shook this guy's hand. I think it was Mike Tomlin or something. And it was, it just kind of cracked me up because it was like, it was definitely the first time that he's like the important guy, you know, the, the, <laughs> face of this great Clemson nasty Clemson defense and all that and he he looked up he looked maybe a tiny bit uncomfortable <laughs> so I like I don't I, it'll just be interesting to see how he does like I I, I hope he ex, he kind of has a baby face and I I'll be interested to see does he exude that defensive coordinator mentality that that uh Brent Venables most certainly had I mean Trent, you know, have to have somebody to keep him off the field and just loud and and the kind of thing you want from a defensive coordinator. Um, so that would be interesting. But I mean, his first game, you know, against Iowa State in the bowl game, I mean, I thought called a great game. And Clemson's defense is loaded with talent. And so I don't know. I, I think it'll be more interesting to see how he does the next year or two. Can he recruit? Can he keep the the good recruiting? classes coming in and that would I would say that's going to have a lot to do with his personality and can he go into somebody's living room and make them believe uh that he's the man to send him to the NFL basically um as far as you want to do any more questions about the defensive side or should I jump straight to the 
offensive side? Uh, no, I mean, we can maybe talk more about it later, but go ahead. Tell us yeah. what you think about Brandon Streeter. Um, Brandon Streeter, of course, I'm not into that. I don't think there's a lot of Clemson fans, at least, I mean, I, I, the casual fan for sure, probably not, just because of what the offense has looked like. And in, in the since Jeff Scott left, basically, uh, pretty simplistic, uh, not enough stuff over the middle, just just different, just different head scratching plays from uh, play calls that that didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but there's tons of things that you hear about execution and players not getting it and all that that factors in. Um, I did hear recently that he is planning to and he is implementing ready in spring practice more tempo to the offense, which they really need to get back to that with Chad Morris. They had kind of went too far with that. And so I think they kind of wanted to backpedal and I, I think they overdid it. They went back to too slow um, and they need, need to get back to a little bit of a little bit faster, especially for the for, uh, like bubble screens and things like that. It, it works better if, if, if it's up tempo, the running game um, need to catch defenses off guard a little bit where possible. So I don't think it's a terrible hire if he implements some new ideas. Um, hopefully a little bit more complicated, um, but I don't love it at this point. So so go ahead, Ash. So so me and Vince, like, and kind of just us as, as a show, kind of view Clemson and Clemson's off season here as extremely like just important, very. Um, yeah, like like Clemson last year with, with them being like it was a down year for Clemson and it left a very big vacuum, I think, in college football because we're used to them being a player at the national level and a playoff team. And and like, yeah, they're the they're the the class of the ACC is, is how we see them. And then so we view this offseason, I think, as as really, really big for them to get back there because one year down is just that's a fluke, right? Two years, it becomes like it's beginning to become like a trend almost. And so there, there is a a sentiment out there, and yeah, I'm. It's it's so tough to judge these coordinator hires, and like I understand, like why that's why that's difficult. But some people would view these as underwhelming hires. Like they would have expected Clemson to replace Venables with a a well known big name splashy guy. That's not always the right hire. We've seen that not always be the right hire, but it is what people expect. Is is do Clemson fans feel that at all that this was maybe a little underwhelming or is this just the smart in program um, higher? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's it it's an underwhelming hire, but uh, I mean Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, they they don't this program oper, operates differently than the other top tier programs. I don't think it's a surprise if you know Dabo if you if you've watched the last twelve years. I, this is not a surprise. He's, he's been known for grooming. I mean, he has, he's been, he's said that all the time. People ask him, what are you going to do if Brent Venables leaves? Well, he's got a plan. And I think he does, but him having a plan is not, I mean, he doesn't know who's going to be available. His plan involves people that are ready on his staff. I, I don't, I think right now, right now, if, if one of those guys walk out the door, his plan would be somebody else on his staff. I'm not saying if there, I mean, he did just go out and get Nick Eason from, from Auburn, which was a huge hire, but 
it's going to be, it has to be something like that. An ex Clemson player who wants to come back having success elsewhere, but it's a known fact he wanted to come back. Otherwise, I mean, Dabo is that, you know, it doesn't surprise me, I guess is what I'm saying that, that they went in in house and is it going to work out? I mean, to me, it's dumb not to, not to believe that Dabo's got a plan not to trust him. I mean, he's as successful as anybody. And so sure it should work, but at the same time, I, I gotta, I gotta see it. I mean, I, 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 we know about nothing about this, about these coordinators. I'm sure. If that quite answers your question, but basically a little bit underwhelming to the, to the national media, maybe, but not surprising for who Dabo is as a coach. Is that, is that kind of the thought across the Clemson fan base? Like, not at all surprising. Has there been a – have you been – I mean, you've obviously – you're surrounded by Clemson fans. Like, what are the discussions like if around – yeah, not – because obviously you have your own opinion, but you also hear plenty of other Clemson fans' opinions. Like, is this mm-hmm. is this fairly, like, not surprising at all, makes, makes sense, maybe not extremely thrilled about it, but also not worried – is that fair to say that that's kind of how the general, what the general consensus is? Yeah, I would say defensively not worried. Um, yeah. Like most people like that hire. Uh, offensively worried. Nobody liked that hire. I mean, basically. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I would say there the Clemson opinion is uh, the, of the fans that I'm aware of, at least. They're very, it's very similar to what I just said. I'm not worried about the defense. Worried about the offense. With with recruiting with with both of those guys because like I mean we saw Venables pull in elite D line prospect I mean just really one right after another like they were really really good he also did that in the secondary maybe not linebacker as much but like there was elite talent just all over there where are those where are those guys especially um, kind of maybe more focusing on Goodwin as like recruiting like where where do they expect to land and are they still going to try to go for the the bit the five-star defensive ends that they've been going for the last three four years yeah absolutely i i like thinking that they won't is is thinking that that dabble has been given up i mean i he knows it takes talent to win i mean i no i expect them to go after those people just the same that just it, it, the recruiting as a whole is not going to change the question is how much did venables matter and i'm not i'm not necessarily worried about like okay so he's productive he has 10 years of experience and proven as a proven commodity you know he that he can come in and say i put i put these guys in the league this guy came through here and he went to the league drafted in the first round i'm not too worried about that i'm more worried about he seems very convincing i mean he he's He's like, I mean, as a Clemson fan, I think he'd probably be on, he'd be on the top of your list of of coaches you'd want to meet and just talk to. And so I don't like, I would be more, I'm more worried about that side of it than, than just all of a sudden it's a new guy. Nobody's going to trust him. Mm -hmm. That, uh, I guess that, that would be my take is I I think they're still going to go after him, but you never mentioned NIL. That's, that's to me is a whole nother Ask me a question about that, and that's where I'll tell you my answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Ashton. <laughs> well, no, I mean, okay. Like, though, there are those of us that have, yeah, we've poked some some good-natured fun at at the whole 
Yeah, NIL. Like, I mean, there have been NIL deals going on for years, right? And now it's just finally legal, right? And, and I think a lot of different people did it. I mean, probably most did it. So yeah, now it's just out in the open. But there is a, a certain reluctance from some programs to fully buy into that. And like, yeah, I, some people say that, you know, it's, it's ruining the sport. It's making it professional football, which I mean, it is. It, may, it maybe always was. We just didn't know about it. But is Clemson in a position to take advantage of that? Or do they have, they're, they're okay. So they're, they're, they're not in a big town. They're not in Atlanta, but like, that doesn't mean that you can't do it because we're seeing Alabama do it. Like it, 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 I think it more matters where your boosters are at and where you are as a program. And like, is Clemson in a position to kind of take advantage of that? Or are they going to kind of wait for a while? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical. <laughs> I, I'm just not sure that Davo, it, I mean, I think he's going to drag his feet. Like it's going to take a couple really bad years for him to, and, and even that I'm like, I, I, he said, if we, if you, if college football is professionalized, he's leaving. And I like I, that. There's things that would shock me less as far as NIL deals going down in years past and all that stuff. I mean, you can get right on out of here with the new spring, laundering money and <laughs> that has not been happening that's a that's a Georgia fan I never said that <laughs> I listen to your pods I know I know what okay. you say okay yeah. I mean yeah of, whatever proof of she a uh, proof of things happening dumping it on uh I don't know conspiracy theories like I, I'm not convinced that that's just been happening. Uh, Darian Rencher, you guys know who that is. He's like, he just finished up at Clemson. He was like a fourth string running back. He has a podcast now and he interviewed Trevor Lawrence and you, you should go listen to it. You'd find it interesting, but he, he was talking about his recruitment a little bit. And he said that Georgia was after him hard, like really pushed for him and got him to campus and all that stuff. And he said that, you know, he went to Georgia because he was lived right there. Mm -hmm. And then he went up to Clemson and he's like, it was like totally different. Like he said, it just immediately, totally different feel. He said his parents were like, you cannot go to Georgia. And he's like, I'm sure it's a great place, but it ain't my life. It ain't, it ain't my, it ain't my style. And uh, Darren Rencher said, well, what is your style? And he said, well, slow, slow, just slow. <laughs> And he, and he, said, uh, he said, well, what, what did, did Clemson offer you anything? Now, again, you, I know you're going to throw this all out because Clemson guys talking, but he said, did Clemson offer you anything? Like what enticed you to like, what there's just, he said, there's a lot of stories about crazy offers to these huge recruits. He said, what, what did they offer you? And he said, nothing. And he said, but if, I think if you're into that kind of thing, that, 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 uh, that maybe would come up. So I think that was a that is a better answer than than just that these coaches are out there just throwing money like, hey, we have a million dollars for you or we have four chargers and a new house for you to come stay in. It's more like these people coming in there and they're like, uh, can you help me? You know, I, I, and then then maybe there's some uh, some closet deals or something like that. But anyway, I just I'm not sure that Clemson's ready for the the legalized NIL paying players 
transfer portal. I mean, it 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 just grates everything that that Davos stands for, and you, whatever fake or not, education. You know, graduating, getting to know the players. You know, personal relationship. He does not treat it like a business, and I think that's where somebody like Nick Saban it's advantage him. Kirby Smart, same way. He, I don't think he beats around the bush. He's, he probably doesn't go in there and say, hey, I, you know, I'm going to be your father figure. You know, I'm there for you, whatever. No, he goes in there and says, I'm going to get you a first-round draft pick. If you don't want that, go elsewhere. And it's like, if you're good at football, go. So I'm a little worried that that's, that style is going to be better. You know, hey, here's here's we can sign you up with whatever, get you paid. I mean, you, most of these kids, they can't. I, I mean, I guess if it was me, I'd probably be the same way. Can't run from all that money. Yeah, well, it, I think it very much depends on the specific recruit because Clemson hasn't been beating Georgia and Alabama for players based on the same things that Georgia beats Alabama for players. It's You, know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Like Clemson is a unique place. It's a mm. little more small-town, slower-paced mm. environment. And I think there are definitely recruits that, you know, well, we just saw it with Nico, you know, like basically what's the biggest check I can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that Clemson is going to be able to compete with that, but I think there are probably always going to be, this is just an outside perspective. I think there always will be that type of player. That's a, that's a really talented player mm-hmm. that is willing and, and wants to go to a place where it's a little more of a family like atmosphere, I guess. And maybe the Clemson boosters are able to pitch in with NIL just enough. Again, I don't know what that means. Your ceiling is recruiting, but I I do think that you will always be able to, there's a certain baseline you should always be able to recruit at, in my opinion. I I agree. And at Clemson, they're not going back to six and six. Like that's, that's not at all what I'm saying. It's, it's the, what I'm more worried about is that this thing will, centralized now again the transfer portal that kind of remains to be seen how that factors in here but the transfer port i mean the 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 nil it seems like that's going to to put okay so all the guys who don't want a small town with this which is probably 90 percent of them you know where are those guys all going to go to three or four schools Hmm. you know that can pay them I mean, I would think Ohio State has got a huge budget. Texas A&M got a huge budget. Georgia's got a huge budget. I mean, and that's just Texas. They're, they're going to have – I mean, they're going to have a ton of money. Are they going to soak up 90% of the recruits? And it's not going to matter. Clemson's not going to be bad, but you're going to be pulled out of that top tier into basically the joke that Texas A&M, Texas A&M is now, which is good, but – they're not winning nothing. I mean, okay. Yeah. Not currently. Not currently. Yes. And but they they're have, quickly changing that. That's a good example of my point. They have now, I mean, you could argue they have now pulled Clemson out of that spot and replaced themselves by buying those recruits. So, I mean, that, that to me, that's, they that proves my point there is that they're going to now take, Texas A&M spot. Hmm. I mean, as as a good team, but not a great team. Hmm. So eight and four then. I mean, no, because I you know who likes slow lifestyle quarterbacks, and so Clemson is going to 
recruit a great quarterback, and we have witnessed it over and over again. You take the best quarterback. Now, Georgia is that that was the most that will never happen again for a long time. Where they where you take a walk on barely serviceable quarterback at times in the year, and you go beat a, a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. That that's I would say very unlikely. Mm-hmm. So Clemson, I think, is going to always have a good quarterback. And that will result in in success. Sure. No, I, I I agree. Like I'm yeah, I'm a Georgia fan and and I'm like I'm very willing to to admit that what you said is true. Like that was Georgia this year was an anomaly, and all you need to do is look at the NFL combine to prove to you like how they won that because that was absolutely ridiculous. And even then, like like I mean, up until that last interception, like Bryce Young could have tied that game and sent over like they, Georgia could have lost with that much talent just because Bryce Young's like a get out of jail free card. But like going back to your point there, like because that's what quarterbacks are. That's kind of what quarterbacks do. And so this one just really interest. Like I yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. But like Arch Manning was has been like Clemson and Arch Manning have been okay. I mean the first video that we really saw of Arch was him at Clemson visiting and just throwing darts um, in their indoor practice facility with with Dabo standing right there by him. And it's like well that's just a match made in heaven. Like of course he's gonna go there because like that's everything that Clemson wants. Like we're gonna go, we're gonna recruit, okay, pretty good. And we're gonna get a generational talent in here at quarterback and we're gonna win a title that way. And it's worked, like there's that, that works. But how did they like, so Clemson, just like an update, Clemson is no longer in, in Arch Manning's list, right? And, and like he's, they, he's dropped them. How did they miss on him? Because that, like I'm a Georgia fan. I still don't think he's coming to Georgia. Like I think he'll probably go to Texas is my guess. But like, how did Clemson miss on him? Because that felt like a slam dunk. Uh, once the start year one would be my guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I think the only reason Clemson was in the picture for him is, is all the things we've just discussed. He came there and loved it. He loved the, I mean, that's Clemson seems like a Manning place. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like I, I feel like Peyton and Dabo would get along great. I mean, and so <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I think that's the only reason they were in the running for him is that the, the culture and the different feeling there. But if, if you look at Clemson's roster, I mean, you're, you're probably looking at, at DJ for, um, well, I don't know that that's a whole nother thing, but it just <laughs> wouldn't surprise me if, if he would have to come and sit for maybe, maybe two years. I, I'm not just completely, and this is not because Clemson's out of the running, but I'm not, uh, I'm not completely sold like some people and not necessarily just on this podcast, but I'm not necessarily sold about Arch Manning just yet. Uh, the, the talent that he's playing against is pretty awful in high school, at least the, the, the highlights and stuff that you're seeing. Now I did see some seven on seven stuff and it was like, he, he is good. He is good, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, he goes to, Georgia, yeah, he's going to be very good, but I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I don't think I I think that it had something to do with playing time. Is my only guess. Other than other than that, I don't know. I maybe he chased the bag. I don't know. So so just kind of jumping in off of that, we and you kind of alluded to it, but 
where Clemson is currently because they just pulled in the number one um, quarterback from this past class, uh, Kay Klubnik, and he's there. And let's not act like DJ just lit the world on fire last year. In fact, I mean, like he wasn't very good. Like, right, like he was not very good. Where where are they at? And like, what are you guys hearing just as as Clemson fans? Spring practice is just kind of getting started, right? We're just kind of just now getting into everything. How is that going to shake out? What's the dynamic there? And who is the favorite right now to start week one? Um, before we switch, I want to go back to one thing I, I meant to say. As far as this Arch Manning not going because of playing time, not going clumps because of playing time, the only reason I don't believe that's true is because I do think there is such an alpha attitude of these guys coming out of, of high school. Like if they're good, if they're the best player on their team, they and, and and Dabo said it. He said Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Not one time did they ever ask about another quarterback. Like they never, they never said, you know, you think I can start year one or, you know, who, who's on the roster? You guys recruiting? He said they never said a word because they knew they can. They'll take anybody. So I'm that it may be a stretch to think that Arch Manning's like, yeah, I can't go in there and beat out Kate Klubnik, you know, for a starting job. But anyway, leave that where it is. Uh, as far as who's the favorite, it's it's got to be DJ. I mean, Dabo didn't start true freshman until uh, not on not on not not the first night. I, I just I just don't see it happening. If if I would I would guess that it's gonna if I had to put a and this is a little bit based off of what I've been hearing and just surmising some from previous years. DJ walks out first. He's gonna play three or four series, and then. Klubnik will come in for one or two and, and we'll do the same thing for two or three games. And at one point or another, it's, it's going to be a full thing. I, I mean, Trevor Lawrence did it against Georgia tech a couple years ago. Kelly Bryant's on the field. Offense moved a little bit. Wasn't nothing great. And Trevor Lawrence came in. It was just like instant success from the offense for multiple drives. And you knew it right then. You just knew it. You, I mean, just watching the game, it's over. That It's Trevor Lawrence's job from here on out, sure enough. I, I see more of something like that rather than him beating him out in spring practice because I think everyone knows spring practice with empty stands is just so different than national television on Memorial. Uh, they play – I think Clemson plays – they open against Georgia Tech on uh, Memorial Day night. So, I mean – that's a big game coming from, you know, putting a true freshman out there when you have a, a DJ has more starting experience than anyone he's going to be handing the ball to or throwing it to. So, <laughs> hmm. I just, I think he'll be the starter week one. How so, long it'll last. Not a hundred percent sure. So yeah, just looking at Clemson's schedule, it's Georgia tech, Furman, Louisiana tech, wake forest, mm-hmm. NC State, Boston College, Florida State, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, South Carolina. So mm-hmm. Wake Forest and NC State are like, you know, could be tough. But really your biggest game, I would say, is November 5th. You're you're going to Notre Dame. By that point, you've played eight games. At that point, do you think, okay, it's club nick time, like this is the – the young gun, you know, maybe similar. You, you described the Lawrence situation when he was a freshman. Now, I don't want to put that expectation on, a, on another freshman quarterback. I mean, there's we, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence is is really it's a really big name to live up to. But do you think that by 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 November of his freshman year, Klubnik will be the guy? 
I said I, I had been texting my friend saying yes, but I'm slowly, I'm slowly changing my mind because it's it it has it feels like a distant memory now to think back to the last time Clemson went to Notre Dame. Uh, that DJ is starting all year. Uh, I mean yeah. that that's that there's no question about it, and he's lost a ton of weight. Um, if you watch, if you go back and watch the South Carolina Clemson game from last year on the first drive, he ran it around the left side, kept it on his own read, ran around the left. He was so, it was like an offensive lineman running the ball. He, he has a bum knee and he, <laughs> a guy like runs into him and, and he doesn't even tackle him. He just kind of bounces off of him and he stumbles about three steps to the right. I mean, to the left and falls down. It was like, and then he has to like get on one knee to get up. Uh, he he was so overweight with, especially on top of the knee issue. It, 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 I think that that his mechanics got messed up. And I think all of that stuff he has worked really, really hard on. He's lost a bunch of weight. They said they went back to the basics on mechanics, um, you know, and working, working to get him. He, he lost all of his accuracy. I mean, he did not have this kind of accuracy issues the year before. I mean, at all. He could he couldn't throw a five yard out last year, and it, and they were all ducks, like no spiral. I, I it, it was the strangest thing, and I it was so bad that I, I just can't believe that you could go like I don't think that he's playing that bad again. So if I had to guess now, I'm going to probably say DJ plays plays the whole year. Uh, as, as a starter. Yeah. So last year, obviously Clemson goes 10 and three and for a good chunk of the year, it, it you know, people kind of were acting like the sky was falling and, you know, 10 and three still is a pretty solid season by most people's standards. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's been the worst, it's the worst year Clemson's had in a while, but you know, it's, it's 10 wins. Like it's not that bad. That being said, the offensive line did not look good last year. The wide receiver core did not look good last year, which was shocking because Clemson has been wide receiver you. Like they've put so many receivers into the league the last 10 years. How do you look at offensive line and receiver specifically? Because I think I think we all probably feel pretty good about Will Shipley, what he can do at running back. Like I, I think you're you're good there. To me, it's obviously in quarterback is a question mark, but offensive line and receiver. Where do you go from here? What do you expect from these units? And do you think they can improve a lot this next season? Well, I, I'm not sure that you can, like, I'm not believing anything until I see on the field because last year, you know, same thing. We're going to be fine at, at offensive line. It's not a bad group or whatever. And then halfway through the year, there was like some reports coming out for some different guys who had, I don't know, insiders on the team or something. And they were like, in the spring, they, they were already saying, like, this is the worst offensive line that Clemson has ever had. Well, and they come out, you know, like, as far as, like, taking, like, what the coaches are saying, it's like, it means almost nothing. Like, mm-hmm. almost nothing. You know, you used to have Steve Spurrier, he'd come out and he would just lay into his quarterbacks or whatever in spring. <laughs> you know, he'd be like, this guy played like crap. Dabo doesn't do that. And the, the coordinators don't do that. They're, so, I don't know that we can really know, but from what we're hearing – they're, they do have – they feel much better about their group this year. And they do have some 
fairly highly recruited uh, four and five star linemen pretty much across the across the line now. Um, not quite as many like where did that guy come from situations uh, like last year they had a couple. I mean, and that it was awful last year. You know, Matt Bockhurst, I don't know if you, you're familiar with him. He was at the ACC media days. Just the nicest guy. I mean, he wanted to be good so bad, but <laughs> you watch the game and I mean, he's just, he's, it looks like he's on skis. And so I think, I think they're going to be, they're going to be better. They're going to be better off on the offensive line. They, they improved as the year went on last year, got some of those young guys in there. They improved. I expect an improved offensive line, but it's going to be a weak spot until, until I see differently with my own eyes. Do you know anything about like is Thomas Austin? Is that the new offensive line coach? Do you know anything yeah, about him? I mean, not not a ton. He was he played at Clemson. I remember when he played at Clemson, but I don't know. Anything is an upgrade, and that's another thing that I'm I'm excited about. <laughs> is time everybody was ready for. I mean, I can't think of his name. What's his name? Caldwell, Robbie Caldwell, right? Yeah, there you go. Yes, I mean he had been there forever. Dabo felt bad to fire him. He's he's I mean. It was it was bad. So I think that's going to help having a, a, some young blood in there that can actually maybe show them how to block rather than tell them. I don't know if that's necessary on the <laughs> offensive line or not, but uh, I, I think we'll see. I, I think we will see improvement offensive line. But but last year, at least for the first the first five or six games, it was it was it was really poor. How do we feel about the receivers then? Like we, it was kind of alluded to a bit there, but like we, I think uh, like when I say we, I think pretty much everyone expected Justin Ross to come back and be, I mean, a star again, kind of like what we expected from him uh, his freshman year. And and some of that, like, I do think that maybe Clemson, like it's really hard to have the game that you did against Alabama in the championship game. And then for people not to just have completely unrealistic expectations like, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just Ross either. I mean, it was like most of their team really, like even, even Trevor Lawrence, like that was some of the best he ever threw the ball. Like it was unbelievable how good he was at that young. And there were, you know, a bunch of young kids and we're like, these guys are going to do this for forever, you know? And, and that's not fair. Like that's not really fair, but I do think it's fair to at least expect a little bit more effort than what we saw from maybe some of, well, Ross in particular last year, it looks like he almost gave up at times and like, yeah, like where did that come from, and and was he was he still kind of getting over his injury a little bit, or like because it was very surprising maybe for me just watching him last year. Uh, no, he he was fine as far as injury goes. I mean, he looked great catching the ball the other day at the pro day. I mean, he was so clearly the best athlete on the field, um, which would be expected at a pro day. But I think. <clears throat> I think his issue was there was no rhythm. There, there was no rhythm to the offense. You, you don't run. You can't that, – that, that extra motor to finish plays and all that, that's gone if you think your quarterback is getting buried after he takes two steps or, or he, if he, even if he's open, he's, he's not going to hit you. So, I mean, I, I think that had more to do with – quarterback play and and off and just the play of the offense no running game and, and that that messed up effort I believe as far as those just those extra effort plays I mean DJ weighed 260 pounds or 55 pounds or whatever he can't scramble around and make a throw downfield why, why would you keep running he ain't looking at you off the ball 
I'd forget it. Uh, and so I, like if that, if that part of it is fixed, if, if DJ can step back and, and then be able to move around in the pocket, that, that, that effort, whole effort issue will be fixed from receivers. Uh, as far as the talent issue, you know, I mean, they, they are going to be replacing some guys and that, that'll be a little bit of an issue. Uh, Adam Randall is probably the, the name to keep an eye on. Um, a lot of, a lot of good reviews about him. They, um, Dabo said he had three, he has had three receivers come that are ready to play day one. And that was Sammy Watkins, Justin Ross and Bo Collins. And, and he said, Adam Randall is, is in that group as far as readiness. Um, he's six, three, like two twenty right now. I mean, and as a high schooler, or I mean, just coming out of high school. So they lacked, they lacked, a quick, like quickness on the outside. They had overall good receivers. I mean, Bo Collins is really good, but they lacked that quick outlet throw and guys getting you yard. They, they were tackled. They would get tackled where they were hit rather than we're used to seeing, uh, I mean, Amari Rogers, Artavis Scott, uh, guys who played in the, in the slot there and catch the ball on a screen and, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and would get 10 yards or eight yards or whatever. So I, I think that should be back this year, at least so. Gotcha. Um, any more questions about personnel-wise, I, I guess? For another thing at receiver, um, we have got to keep we, – we finally got rid of one Sweeney boy. Um, <laughs> can we bounce a couple more out of there? I'm not sure. It's time for Drew Sweeney, I guess. But they, they're they, – uh, they probably made it onto the field due to their effort. And so I, I hope, hopefully they don't outwork anybody this year. So there's no reason for them to be on the field. Uh, but, but, but the blocking last year from the receivers was just terrible. Uh, it, it, that had to be some on coaching just based off of what, what you could see. Uh, a Joe, a Joe's now transferred to use USF with uh with Jeff Scott. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's huge. He, he was, he was six, four, six, five, two twenty. I mean, he couldn't block, he couldn't block at all. And so I like, I, I think that, the, I mean, I, if I seen it, they seen it, you know, that, that they got to get more physical at receiver and they've done well at that in the past years, be more physical at receiver and then short area quickness from receivers. Hopefully Adam Randall is one of those guys and they'll be fine at receiver. I, I don't expect to see too much of an issue there. Go ahead, Ashton. You have questions? Yeah. So just kind of going in off of that, like where do we see like matchup problems for them next year? Like, so we'll kind of get into their schedule a little bit and yeah, like, I mean, like Vince has run through it already, but they're, they're, they're tough games. You're kind of backloaded. Like your, your last four games of the year, you go uh, to Notre Dame, then you get Louisville at home, Miami at home, and South Carolina at home. And those figure like, those could be, that's a difficult little stretch. Kind of no, no matter where you are, that's, that's a tricky, tricky little four, yeah, stretch of four games there. Maybe, maybe not Louisville, but the other ones. So, like, are, is that a matchup problem? Like, where does where does Clemson see 
themselves kind of in relation to the ACC again this year because it it felt maybe like last year wasn't reality for the ACC like with Clemson just not being good like it just felt so so random and so weird but like do they do they immediately just kind of reestablish themselves as the class or like how do you see them lining up and and we'll get probably let's should we just go ahead and ask him for a uh, like a prediction for next year just way too early like we can cold take you all we want here with this but <laughs> like where do you guys where do you see Clemson stacking up in the ACC again next year even though like the ACC doesn't figure just to be on fire next year like it, it's very gettable right so like how does Clemson figure to uh yeah, stack up. Uh, I'll give one loss to the schedule and probably Notre Dame. Uh, they're they're, they're going to be back to the ACC championship next year. Not because they're – because I think they're going to win a national championship, but be, I'm just saying what, what, well, who, who's going to who, – who are you taking right now to beat them? Uh, Miami in a couple years? Yeah. Notre okay. Dame. Okay, okay. I mean, I, you, ju- you just said that it's fluky one year and that it felt like it wasn't reality last year. And, I mean, I, like, I guess that's – like, I would agree with that. Like, and, and if that's the truth, then why, why would we not be back to the normal thing next year, which is not – I'm not – again, probably lose – Make the playoff get beat by twenty. I, like I'm not suggesting that they're that they're gonna take Georgia's spot back or anything. But if we have if we had reasonable quarterback play last year, reasonable, all things considered, reasonable quarterback play. I mean, they would have beat NC State. Uh, they lost by seven to Georgia in ridiculous game. I mean, we had Trevor Lawrence in that game. We win. I mean, that's and then I, I'm just saying that. If quarterback play is at all decent, it's a step up from last year. If the receivers make a little bit of growth, and, and I mean, you had a true freshman was your best receiver last year. I'm not sure who I would take to beat them. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I don't know who on the schedule I'm taking to beat them other than Notre Dame. Fair enough. No, that's that's fair. Like, I think that's, that's kind of how I think how maybe most of – America sees it or at least should see it because I don't think anyone's saying that they're yeah the ACC is not theirs again this year but where so and I think maybe the warning signs for me and just actually let me just I'll just give give you that question how far into the season does it have to take for you to start you know after you beat say you beat Wake Forest you know 24 21 something like that like close low scoring kind of in the fashion of last year where Clemson wins a good low scoring game kind of because of their defense how how like how many games does it take for that to happen to you where where you're like this isn't right like something's something's wrong here it's not the same as what it was three years ago if it doesn't just go back to normal like it, it should like I think we both agree that it should go back to normal but where's the jumping off point if it doesn't it uh Losing, losing an an ACC an ACC game. They're not. They're not gonna be. They they never. They never are good in game one. I, I think I'm done taking Clemson in game one. I don't care who we're playing. Like I mean, against Georgia Tech, yeah, forget it. I mean that. We got that game. But I'm saying just in general. I mean they've said it like in press conferences. Like they they basically intentionally are vanilla in game one. And, and, and they build, if they can't, 
if and this was Tony Elliott's mindset, and I'm I'm not sure what Streeter is going to do, but basically they they take basic basic offense and they put that in game one, and if if the players on the field cannot execute that well, whether or not there's yardage gained, if they're executing it well, then they continue to build. But if the execution is not good, they stay in that base, and that's what happened last year. They they never. They never advanced. They're, I mean, they're, and it was because they they could not. The execution was terrible, just kind of across the board. And that's that's something they were talking about quite a bit this year. Is that people that are inside the program were like, as far as with DJ, they're like, you don't. Only the people that were on the team know kind of how that went down. As far as there was a lot of receivers running the wrong route, and you could see some of that watching the game. Receivers running the wrong route. Offensive linemen just totally missing blocks. Young running backs not picking up blitz as well. Stuff that that is a little bit hard to, or it often just gets uh, thrown at the quarterback. Okay, the quarterback didn't make the play. Quarterback didn't make the play because you know maybe in the past Deshaun Watson spins out of it and throws it. You know whatever, and and it still wasn't necessarily his fault. So the execution needs to improve. And so if that. In game one, I'm not. I'm expecting game one against Georgia Tech. I'm saying 28-14, uh, 28-10, something like that. Furman, 45-10. You know, you put up some numbers, it's Furman, okay. By the Wake Forest game, then then you're looking for not – it doesn't have to be high scoring, but, but, a, but a rhythm, some kind of rhythm on offense. It was like last year there was never a game where it was like, they're in a rhythm right now. There ain't nothing you can do with them. They're in a rhythm. Even if they're not scoring, they're in a rhythm. And that was non-existent. It was non-existent last year. That, yeah, I, that's a good answer, I think. Um, so here's a question for both of you. Or, or maybe just I'll say a statement, and then you tell me if it's true or false. So true or false, the winner of the Notre Dame-Clemson game will go back to the playoff next year. <laughs> Troy, <laughs> what would absolutely make my day is if Clemson, Clemson would lose to Notre Dame, Notre Dame would lose one other game, and they would both they would both have the same record, and Clemson would play in the ACC championship like the men do. There oh, we go. Go to playoffs, and Notre Dame would get a letter and say it would just all it would say in a league. Conference. I mean, uh, get in a conference, and then it would be signed by the by the uh, executives down there at the that, that are that are calling these things. But I mean, I, I think if if Clemson wins it, I, if Clemson loses the game to Notre Dame, their schedule. I mean, their their resume is going to be not that great. I mean, uh, it depends. Kind even of even with a Miami. conference championship game. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, I, you know, you know how I feel about this. Uh, this is, I could get, I could get going on this one, but it, it, uh, I think it's going to depend a lot on, we don't know what, I, I'm not even sure. I don't know all of Notre Dame's schedule right now, but I mean, who's going to be your best game other than Clemson? Ohio what, State. What will be your best? Ohio State. Okay. So you yeah. beat Ohio State and, and you beat Clemson. You're, there's no question you're in. Right. Um, but I think you, my, the premise wow. of my, my, the premise of my question is thinking that Notre Dame will probably lose to Ohio State 
and they'll have wins, you know, <clears throat> theoretically against, you know, a USC and a BYU supposed to be a top 25 team and, and a few other like mm-hmm. solid teams. But then it kind of comes down to that Clemson game, in my opinion, like because, mm-hmm. you know, Notre Dame loses to Clemson 10 and two at best, you know, mm-hmm. New Year's six bowl game, probably. Notre Dame beats Clemson. I think, I think if Clemson is actually back next year, that, that could carry enough cachet that that puts Notre Dame back in the playoff. And also yeah. with, well, also with Clemson, you know, if they beat Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame will probably be good enough that that, that will actually be some, that, that win will mean something, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think you can lose to Ohio state. As long as you beat Clemson, you're in what, what we could talk about and would bring me more joy than the Notre Dame scenario would be, that Clemson wins the title, Georgia loses in their uh, SEC championship game, and Clemson slides into that fourth spot. It, it doesn't matter. Georgia would make it anyway. We've already proven that. You don't. You don't have to win the the SEC just just because you just because Bama wins the SEC doesn't make you the best. Because we all know that. I mean that's that's where all the good teams reside, right? So as if you can, as long as you can pick it in. Ashton, tiny bunny trail. Yeah. Alabama, Georgia play five mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Who's winning? Who's winning the, the overall? That, like this next year or from last year? Time. Yeah, the, the, the exact same teams in the moment. They played them the week after the national championship and the week after that and the week after that. Five more games. Who's winning? Who 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 do you actually feel like was the better team? Clemson's beat Alabama as the as the lesser team twice. So I'm not. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, you're still the champ. Yeah. No. I. I think. I think Georgia was a better football team than Bama over the course of the year. Like you. Like Bryce Young played incredible in the SEC, SEC championship. No, like no doubt, it was he was unbelievable. One of my Heisman. But I think over the course of the year, Georgia blitzed everyone and and played really well and 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 played well in the playoff games. Georgia played really well in in those games as well. So yeah, I. Like, I, I understand the point. I think beating Alabama is extremely difficult to do, and I would not want to do it, you know, three out of five times. But I do think that last year, over the course of the year, like, Georgia was the more consistent, more dominant team. And, like, yeah, just because just they got the receivers hurt, then, you know, they want to complain. But you're Alabama, so you should have depth. So that's what I'm saying. Have some depth, huh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So that's Ashton, a, it's a good argument bring up Jamison Williams. It is a good argument. That that is yeah. so, Ashton. I still I'm still waiting on your answer for my question. I conveniently neutral observer. Yeah, I conveniently avoided it because, like, I honestly think it's really hard to answer. Like the question, like, because I think so much is dependent on what happens elsewhere. Like, it's okay. Like we we assume that the Big Ten's probably going to get a team in. Like we think. Like whether it's you know we assume it's Ohio State. It could be it could be Michigan again. Like, but like we assume that Ohio that that they'll have a player. We'll assume that the SEC champ is going to be in. Like we can assume that. So that leaves two slots left. So you know, if if two SEC teams are good again, then maybe two get in. So that leaves one slot left. And like, where's yeah? Where we don't know what USC is going to look like. Like we don't know what like where's Oklahoma? Where's Texas? Like like there. I'm just saying there's a lot of there's always going to be a team that kind of comes out of nowhere and can grab a spot that you don't really see. Like Cincinnati wasn't really seen as a as a as a you know a, a a spot stealer like in the playoff and like so yeah like it could happen i think maybe more than anything i think it would depend the clemson notre dame like scenario that you gave would i think it would more depend on what happened for them the rest of the year 
I think the committee is okay with putting teams in that lose games. In fact, like we know that, like the committee will put in teams that have lost games if they're if they're very consistent over the rest of the year and and yeah, and win those games. And even if you have a tough loss against a tough opponent, like they're okay to put you in again. If if you have like especially if you have pedigree, which I mean both Clemson and Notre Dame have been multiple times to the playoff. So, like I don't I don't know if I view it as like with a fourteen playoff, it's not a must-win game. Like it's really not a must-win game. I don't think. Like both of both of both of you guys can make it. So that's that's me just like walking the tightrope right there. Like I'm not taking sides. That's what that's that's what you call being smart there. I'm not a hot take artist. So like you just walk right right there on the tightrope. And I'm gonna say both of you guys can can both make the make the uh, the tournament. We can all be happy. How very inclusive of you. Wow. I know. I know. <laughs> it's the only time in my life. So a couple weeks ago, we did a program power rankings pod, and we had Clemson at four unanimously. We both agreed on that. Yeah, Troy, how did how did you feel about that ranking? Um, just behind Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State, and ahead of everyone else, actually by a pretty wide margin. Like they were, there was a pretty clear drop off after Clemson in our in our minds. Do you do you agree with that ranking? I was surprised y'all put him that high. Honestly, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was expecting Texas A&M's recruiting class to jump him up there. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know there, you love that. There, hang on, hang on. There is nothing more overrated than that class. Like we expect there. I saw a poll that has them at two next year. Two. There's no chance they're a top two team in the country. That's wildly overrated. They like. They're a top 10 team, maybe, right now. Maybe a top 10 team. Like, I think I could pick 10 other teams that I would pick to beat them. So, yeah, like, I'm just, yeah, not to get, sorry. That's another bunny trail for another time. But can we chill a little bit with the A&M love in three years? Get back with me in three years, then we'll talk. Not next year, though, please. I agree. I agree. Talk to me when you got a quarterback. I know they have one coming in. But it, uh, I, I, it's unproven. I want to see them. You got Jameis Winston coming through the door can, that can overpower uh, Jimbo and, and play good football in spite of him. Then, then we can talk. But as far as where I would put Clemson, I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, it's it's uh, – I, I don't – like, I would say that it feels – it still feels like Clemson is on a slide a little bit. So – I wouldn't say that they've that they've taken a step down. It's more of like a slide back, and it's still very recoverable at this point. But I, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna fix it or not. Uh, it just I. I'm just I'm just not I'm not sold on Dabo handling this thing. I, I'm just not. I'm just not sold on it. I, I'm. I feel like he's gonna let his his. Uh, the 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 good part of Dabo, the part that everyone else hates, all other fans actually hate and think is fake, gonna let that get in the way of I I don't know of keeping up of keeping up. So I, I would say that I feel good about them at four, but but maybe they're they're a little bit on it. Like I, I would say there's a little bit of a gap between Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State as far as trajectory like they are i would say their trajectory is up clemson's has been slightly back now again they were ahead of 
th two of those programs prior to this. So it's not like it's not like they were just catching up and now they drop way back again. They were ahead of them and they have now been passed, but they're they're right there. Like so, mm -hmm. it's not it's not a big gap. But I'm nervous about the the little bit of a slide that we're seeing. Not last year. I forget about last year, but as a program. And Dabo figure this NIL thing out and this transfer portal and lean into it like crazy. And, and I think they could, if they do, I think they have options. Uh, more transfer portal than NIL, more transfer portal than NIL. How very Clemson to take a slide instead of the stairs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yep. yep. So you mentioned the I, portal. I, I feel like that would actually be, yeah. To me, and I think you're right, you're, you're probably on to something where or Clemson could probably take more advantage of the portal than NIL. Not that they couldn't take advantage of NIL, because I do think, you know, they have mm -hmm. a fairly large alumni base. But to me, Clemson would be like they, they could turn out to be a perfect landing spot for four oh, yeah. Yeah. former five stars slash three stars who got better, who, mm -hmm. who just like either it's not quite working out at Alabama or wherever they are, or they're that three-star at USF, you know, that needs a landing spot. Like to me, Clemson could be perfect for that. It, I agree. I agree. But I'm not like, I still think that that mentality or that thought process goes against the whole like, I think they go in and they recruit like you are family. You are going to be a part of, a, you know, we will not, you are the most important thing. And, you know, the, the cornerbacks coach the other day, he said, you come to Clemson, you're going to play. You know, we don't recruit people to sit on the bench. We recruit them to play. Well, they, I feel like they think that it's like they're treating it more like we, we can't injure or wound the, 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 players that we recruited that we made promises to that we said you know we want you you're our guy they turn out to be not good players you know they're they're they're, they're not what what they were originally supposed to be and then for them to go out and get somebody to come in and take their place i think it feels too like backstabbing type thing and again it's business it's football like it shouldn't be that way but that's the only reason that I can figure out why Clemson is not going out and getting these people like they're, they're, nothing else. It doesn't make sense. Every single other program is doing it. Why are they not doing it? Yeah. Because Dabo was stubborn. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, it, uh, so that, that I think the transfer portal is a better opportunity than the NIL because now correct me if I'm wrong here, but basically NIL is going to be, it's, it's not necessarily just, it's not necessarily just boosters pooling money and throwing it at the recruits. Like that's not quite how that works. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it there's, yeah. there's a couple different ways of, of going about it. One of them is, yeah, you have your boosters just doing what they want aside from the stool completely. Um, and then I also think there are some schools that it's a little more of a tandem effort between <laughs> the school and and the rich people that like the school <laughs> and, and maybe but they some at of the, the very least have to go ahead no i was just wrapping up that same thought like maybe some of the schools that are a little better at nil are the ones that are being mediators a little bit between the recruits and the boosters but they still i mean they basically have to launder that money through something right 
Yes. Well, kind of. <laughs> you can't just give them a, a bag of cash. You can't. There's no way that that is happening. There is no way people are getting a million dollars or eight million dollars cash. It's not happening. Well, yeah, I, somehow I think they're they're putting. No, I think just just like yeah, like with that, like there's so it started as like NIL's name, image, likeness, right? Like so, it's kind of advertising money, like pretty much. So like 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 yeah, like it's not maybe always fair, and it doesn't mean that there has to be some kind of like oh you know he can he can advertise for us and get us this. Like I I think there's absolutely companies out there taking losses. Like, because they're, they're not getting their money's worth is kind of what I'm saying. Like, but I think they're okay with that. Like, they're very okay with not getting their money's worth simply because like, yeah, like we don't, we don't, there's no way that Nico is going to bring $8 million of business to whatever Tennessee, you know, company bought yeah. him. You know what I mean? So like, th- but I think they're okay with that. Like, I think they're totally okay with, with shelling that out so far. Like I, it hasn't been an issue for him so far. It's been really interesting to see just you, you, you see lots of stories of the, the ways that different schools are doing this. The thing that Notre Dame, their collective has kind of done is they've started selling NFTs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those at all. Um, yeah. But basically, if you buy one of those, you have special access to the players where you get autographs and, you know, maybe meet and greet type things. And so you're kind of buying a little bit more of a special experience. But that money then, you know, goes to this company and then X percent of, of X percent of that money goes to the players that are part of it. So, yeah, it's all through third parties, really. But I do think there are some schools that are better at sort of making it happen a little bit. Yeah, better at, at being a little bit shady. Like you, you <laughs> still can't tell me that this isn't a little bit shady. The whole operation, there's no governing body. Everyone just kind of does what they want to do. And it's like, whatever you're okay with doing, you can do. You literally can do that right now. And there's no, there's nothing to stop. What Booster in Clemson paying the local Bojangles a million dollars and telling them, I mean, they were, they did, they signed DJ to the, I mean, he goes on his Instagram and posts about a get your chicken at Bojangles. You could pay him $2 million for that. But that's, that's shady. That's not like, that is not how this is meant to be. And I, like, I just, it just, to me, it just seems like dad was like, he's more, it just seemed like he'd be the guy to be like, no, you know, just do like you're supposed to do. And, and DJ collects, you know, $2,000 from the local Bo- Bojangles for a post on Instagram. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I don't, like and, and I think there's a chance that there's people within the Clemson program. I would say there's a guarantee there's people within the Clemson program Dabo may be able, and he maybe needs to do this. Just get out. Just give the job to somebody else. Find you a, a heathen in the in the in the room somewhere, and say you take you take care of this NFL thing, and don't tell me about it. Yeah. And and I'll write names on the chalkboard and just happen to leave them there, and then you you make it happen. But he's been doing that I mean, for that, years. That I don't. Guy, that's not anything new. <laughs> Uh, that's the, that's the only argument I can get behind is that Davo is not it doesn't know what's going on I, that I can that could be it could be so just and okay so they just kind of wrap up maybe the NIL stuff a little bit I just I do want to just say and we did kind of bash AM a little bit but so AM spent 
I mean, estimates of 30 to $35 million on this past class, no matter what Jimbo said, maybe more, who knows, a lot of money, right? They spent a lot of money, but w- wasn't that worth it? Like, like, look at the buzz that A&M got. They've kind of surpassed Texas as the Texas school. I mean, we know how, like, we know what it's got to be like to be in Texas in that football crazed state and be little brother. But they were able to spend $35 million and become what we perceive as big brother, like a national, a national player, because that's what people are talking about. It. Like it or not, people weren't talking about them last year when they go eight and four again. But people are talking about them now because they had the greatest recruiting class of all time. Wasn't that $35 million just money well spent? No chance that all of those players work out. I agree. Vince has brought it up a couple of times. Like some of them are going to leave. They are going to transfer. But, but if, if you have oil money, like they have in Texas, who cares if you get burned $3 million? Like, does that matter? I mean, that's like the interest off of one of their investments in the stock market. Like that's like, it is a non, it is a non issue for them to, so I don't know. I mean, I do not think it was money well spent as in like, you know, we, we, it was, it was wise for us. It brought in enough money to make it worth it. They're, they're throwing money at something and just hoping that by throwing a bunch of it, some of it's going to stick. And yeah. I don't think that can really work. And that's, that's just not going to really work very many places. Yeah. You're not, you're not buying success for your company. You're buying success for your football team. That's what you're doing. Like if you're yeah. with those boosters yeah. mm-hmm. and if that's the way you want to spend your money, like who am I to say <laughs> that you can't? I don't think that we're going to really yeah, see it's any really college football. It's, it's dumb. It's not. It's it's just this is this was supposed to be make where so whatever the quarterback for the local team can go sign some autographs for some kids and get paid enough to. I mean, they they already get their colleges free. They have. I mean, it's. Yeah, this, this it was so close to good enough. Yeah, it was so close to good enough. It's ridiculous that there was some of these players that were hungry, you know, that, that yeah. they, they couldn't even buy food, to <laughs> eat. and then they go score three touchdowns for you, and, and you know you get two hundred dollars a ticket for your eighty six thousand seat stadium. That's dumb. That's ridiculous. It was so close to good enough, and now it has went way into the other ditch, and no one can stop it. Yeah, I think SEC commissioner. Correct. People. I think, I think the NCAA, like if, if they were not morons, like they would have done this the right way, like you said, and it was close to good enough. Mm -hmm. But I, at this point, I think the only thing that can stop it is Congress. Like they have to pass a law of some kind and this current Congress has bigger things to worry about. So like, we're not, (laughs) we're not going to see this fix for a while for, I would say probably a, a few years at least like, that's kind of the reality of the situation. Okay, so I, I, just just to wrap up, sorry, let's let's talk about NIL just a little bit sooner soon here to wrap up the Clemson part first because I want to NIL is we can also talk about that with more with Nico, but to wrap up the Clemson part specifically, Troy over under for the next ten years one title, over or under. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> See, if I go, if I go 0. 0.5, uh, it's an easy over. And if I go 1.5, it's an easy under. Right. So I put it at one. Yeah. Oh, da, da, da. next 10 years. Yep. 
Ashley, do you have an answer while Troy is thinking? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say under. Okay. I'll say uh, under as well. I was gonna lean lean I, just a I, little I, bit under. You're wrong for not letting me pick one because one in ten years for <laughs> basically anyone not named Alabama is like, uh, I mean. Ask Notre Dame if they'd like one in 10 years. Ask Michigan. Ask Tennessee. I mean, one in 10 years is success. Yeah. Two is like overachieving. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I, I, a little bit of recency bias coming into that. Last year I would have told you over. But, but with where we're at now, I'm going to say under. Yeah. But you feel like a push is probably the most likely. Yes. Yes, I think I think they have I think they have the talent if they can recruit decent. They have the talent to, to win one in the next five. It would be my guess rather than I think the further out you look, the, the more questionable that, that that's going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, so thanks for joining us for the Clemson part. And we'll also we'll leave you here to talk about Nico a little bit. Um, but, yeah, really enjoy having your thoughts on Clemson. So yeah, the other the I enjoyed. New, good the the news of the week. Nico, the five star quarterback for twenty three, commits to Tennessee to the surprise of zero people. Um, what what are your what are, I want to hear both of you guys? What are your initial thoughts on on what happened here? Because you know Oregon was the perceived leader, and then Nico becomes the eight million dollar man to go play at Tennessee. Theoretically, I, I do just just kind of off the top like it's really big for Heupel like this. Is, that's a huge get for Josh Heupel, man. You talk about like some, some recruits just really setting a tone for where a fan base is at. Like Nico going there made this whole off season really good for Tennessee. Just like that. Like that's all it took. Suddenly he's going to be bringing with him some guys like, you know, he's going to be bringing some receivers along with him and, and to get him, especially when he was like, extremely heavily linked to, to Oregon to, you know, get him away from the West coast, by the way, not finished yet. That's not actually like, you know, like this, he could still flip is my, is what I'm saying, but that this is huge, like absolutely huge for Tennessee. And um, I, I will say he could be scary in a high pull offense. That could be like with that kind of pace and that, like the, the style of quarterback that he is um, that could be, it could give real problems to sec defenses. Troy, your thoughts? Uh, I don't. I don't know a ton about this kid. I've watched some of his highlights and stuff, and he looks really, really good. Uh, do you follow? Do you guys follow DJ's dad on Twitter? <laughs> he's a. Uh, he he kind of is. I don't know his claim to fame. Kind of the king of California out there, and he he he's in the know about all these big name recruits, and he's related to half of them and whatever. But. Hmm. Uh, I mean, he was he was tweeting out the other day that he's like, like, don't get it twisted. Like, this is a business now, and you have to follow the money. And, I, I mean, he's got, you know, his son, Mateo, which is DJ's yes. younger brother, is like the one of the top three recruits, I think. Uh, he's a top edge, I believe, yeah. Top or edge, yeah. One of the top. And so, of course, all the Clemson people were right away like, well, I guess we're not getting Mateo. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> but um, he says, I don't know. He says that Clemson has a real shot at him. But anyway, I, I'd be interested. I, it'll just be interesting to see how that goes. Like I, I, you, you mentioned the other day, Vince, about there's, there's legends of 
players taking money from, you know, different places and basically like, I don't know, $8 million is a ton of money. If this is actually true and that, that is all whatever. Let's, let's just see, let's just see how that goes when there, when there's some, uh, I don't know, just some hiccups, whatever, in between now and signing day, uh, you can stay home. I mean, you don't have to come to the South. I, I don't know. I don't think I, I just I don't think it's a done deal yet. I think money money got him that yes. That's gonna help Tennessee's recruiting class just just getting get going, you know, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a done deal. So I have this theory that the Nico thing kind of has me on a little bit and it's related to NIL, obviously, because now everything with recruiting is related to NIL. So we've been talking about the four quarterbacks at the top of the 2023 class. It's a historic class. Four guys in the top seven overall players are quarterbacks. Troy, you were just talking earlier about how Clemson, they kind of their success the last decade has been largely based on quarterback play. And like quarterback is the great equalizer when you're a little behind in talent otherwise. So right now, these four quarterbacks, Malachi Nelson is committed to USC. We got Nico committed to Tennessee. Notre Dame is considered the favorite for Dante Moore, and Tex, uh, Texas is theoretically the leader for Arch Manning. Now, we the last the top four programs in the country the last five years, without question, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. These four quarterbacks could very well end up going to Texas, USC, Notre Dame, and Tennessee, which are four brand names that have not been one of the top four programs in the country. Is it possible? that this NIL thing is leading to not parity like the NFL knows it, but maybe, maybe it's a little more level playing field across the top 10, you know, maybe Tennessee, Notre Dame, maybe they, maybe they can't quite compete completely across the board with Alabama and Georgia and recruiting. But if they get that top five quarterback, Maybe that helps bridge the gap a little bit. Is, is there is there a possibility that this NIL stuff will actually lead to a little more parity in the top ten? I'll go. Yeah, just to kind of start off, I think this is what everyone hoped it would do. I believe, like some programs that were yeah once proud and in Notre Dame's, I guess Notre Dame still was, but like the others have kind of fallen on tough times with you know USC and Texas and Tennessee but like have money, like they have unlimited money there at, at those programs. And like, that was kind of always the, the, I think that was like, theoretically, that's like the perfect world. Like that's what everyone wants it to be. I, I have a hard time believing it's just that like, I, yeah, I mean, m- maybe it is, but I would say it's more, more to the fact that like there's different coaching at those schools. Like each of those schools has quarterback friendly coaching and has like, yeah, I mean, David Cutcliffe is being, being with um, Stark at Texas is a huge reason why Arch Manning is, has Texas as his favorite, right? Like that's, that's a big deal. I mean, Malachi Nelson is going, he's following, um, he's following out um, Lincoln Riley out there to USC, right? And Hypel just got Nico. So like, I think it's maybe more coaching than, than NIL, but you're, I mean, you're right. Like if, like theoretically, this is what a perfect world looks like to where we kind of take away some of the Alabama and Georgia um, recruits. What do you think, Troy? Uh, I mean, I, I can, I, that's, that's agreeable. I wonder if, okay, so, so who's going to be the high overall, who's going to be the highest paid 
opportunities. It's probably going to be quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that maybe it's going to create some more parity in the re- quarterback recruiting more so than some of the other positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, doesn't isn't the best coaching most of the most of the places that you mentioned, I mean, uh, they're not they don't have scrub coaches like I, I don't it, it's hard for me to believe that Nico was like Heupel is my best coaching opportunity. Now, Arch Manning, I agree 100 percent that the link to Cutcliffe, that's that's well noted or whatever. But I wonder if maybe this this the money thing is going to be more of a quarterback driven thing where you could you can literally throw in this case, $8 million at a quarterback, and it is the only position where it would even be close to worth that. Then with your other positions, it's going to be a little bit more even. So you're not going to pay an interior defensive lineman $8 million. You can't, I mean, unless it's, unless it's Aaron Donald, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe quarterback, create a little more parity. Rest of the rest of it, I still think you're going to see a, a, a places that are able to pay you know, we'll give the all the offensive linemen, you know, some big bonus that you can't, that not everybody can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I do think, like, you know, if you're a Tennessee, you might not be able to compete across the board. And we know, I think Bryce Young last year made about a million dollars is kind of the, the theory. Mm-hmm. And that might be about the going rate for the top tier quarterback. But then if you're a Tennessee, like, you might not be able to invest in you know, it might not work for you to try to invest thirty million into getting a top top ranked class the way A and M just did. You might not be able to do that. But if you put all your resources into that one generational quarterback, maybe that starts the the ball rolling for other players to follow him without a huge NIL check. And like because exactly, I exactly. quarter your quarterback is kind of that, you know, that that one position that's a little unique. If you're if you're any if you play any of the skill position spots on on offense there the quarterback it, it literally makes a difference of uh, I mean you take Justin Ross for example I mean if you'd had Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball this year you can't tell me he wouldn't be drafted a round higher I mean he would probably he's probably going to be at least a second round maybe third round guy he would if you if you'd had a, if you could have replicated season uh, Trevor Lawrence's freshman season he's he's a first round pick mm-hmm. so. I think I think you pay big money and and make and hope you hit on the right quarterback and just tell all them other guys we'll get you to the NFL. Yeah. Any more thoughts on that, Troy? I Ashton, I'm sorry. Um, I think like with everything considered, okay. I I'm just maybe this maybe this just feels a little bit weird, but for almost every program Almost, almost all of them. I don't think NIL had a huge, like, yeah. I don't think it mattered a whole lot to them. I don't think it swung much. Now, you like A and M, yeah. Like that was that was a little bit different, you know. But like, I still think we're going to see the same schools still continue to recruit number one and number two. Like, I think Alabama is going to have the number one recruiting class, and when they don't, it's going to be Georgia, and then it, like Ohio State will be in there. Clemson will probably be up there, and LSU will have a top 10 class every year. Like, I think you're still going to see that happen just because like demographics, I think, maybe matter a little bit more than – yeah, demographics and geography and where, where kids are coming from probably matter a little bit more than than the NIL stuff. I think it, it affects some schools. Like, 
like Tennessee, like that, that was huge for Tennessee. Like who knows if it's 8 million, whatever, like that's just what's rumored, but so much of, yeah, whatever's rumored oftentimes is so true in college football. Like we just use like rumors to, to just kind of get out the truth. And like, he probably got paid a ton and good for him. Is it worth it? Like, I don't know. Probably not. Like, it's probably not like, honestly, it's probably not like if, if he's worth that, what's arch worth like 12, you know, 14, how, how much like arch arch Manning has like that pedigree. And so like, I think before too long, I think we'll almost see the values drop a little bit. Like, I think it's not going to be forever that the prices can just continue to go up and go up and go up before we realize that that's actually not worth it. And, you know, we're paying $8 million for a guy that's a third string quarterback. <laughs> so especially like if you're a Georgia booster, why would you ever pay a five-star quarterback? Cause you know, Kirby's just going to have him on the bench holding a clipboard anyway. So like, there's literally zero point in doing that, but like, yeah, I, so I think maybe that's where I think I expect to see it kind of come back down to earth in the next two, three years. And this was just something that we tried out just to see if we could actually buy championships. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I really hope it fails. I really do. I, I don't think it's a good or healthy thing for the sport. Yeah, it, it'll be, I feel like at this point, none of us have any idea how this is going to play out in the next five years. Like we, we can guess, we can make good educated guesses, but right. You're just you're throwing darts blindly. Like that's that's kind of the best you can do, I feel like. All right. Any more thoughts that we should talk about um, before we wrap this up? We've been well over an hour now. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. You guys have any any more yeah, any any closing remarks from any of either one of you? I'd like to hear real early right now, just your first team that pops into your head national champions next year first team that pops in your head i was i was like literally going to ask the same question right then so i'm going okay yeah hang on just give me a second here and but you two have to answer this as well i'm not going out on a limb by myself so that you guys can clip this and play this later on in life but (laughs) i i okay so here's here's my thought process Alabama has the first and second best football players in all of college football. If they could be eligible this year, they would go one and two in the draft. And that is Bryce Young and Will Anderson. I believe in them. It's the greatest coaching staff of all time. Or, okay, at least the greatest coach. You can argue if he's had better better staffs or not. The greatest coach of all time and the two best players in football. And a team, okay, let's just be honest here. If Alabama doesn't win this year, that will make one out of their last five. For them, that's a full-on drought. Like they, I feel that there is hunger from the Alabama team and maybe a little bit of desperation. I think it is foolish not to pick Alabama next year because, like, uh, because of everything we've seen for the last 15 years. Like that's why I think it's foolish because whenever you count Alabama out, like that's what they dream of. Like Saban loves to be doubted. And like, this is just wonderful for him. He gets to go and tell his players how much they suck every day, all spring and summer long. Like they're going to come out with their hair on fire and blitz people next year. Like I don't, Georgia's going to be good. Georgia will probably play him in the SEC championship. Georgia could get beat by 30 points. Like I think Alabama is a significant step better than everyone else. And to pick, I yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Like absolutely, I I think I'm foolish not to at this point. I agree. Um, I do think that 
And I, I realize Georgia loses so much on their defense, but the way they recruit, I feel like if if Stetson Bennett somehow, somehow, and obviously this is all a big if, if he is not the quarterback by the end of the season, like if they have Vandegrift or Beck or whoever. Gunner, yeah. Gunner, like if they, if any of those guys are, are playing by the end of the year and their offense has become a 40-point offense, I do think there's a decent chance that they could compete with Alabama just because of the way they – I mean, we saw the way they dominated the line of scrimmage against them in the national championship game. Like, if if they still are able to have that advantage, and obviously, you know, they, they lost three first-round defensive linemen. Like, that's not a guarantee. But the way they recruit, they might have three more first-round defensive linemen to replace them. Like, that's a possibility. I also think that if Ohio State, like, if, if Jim Knowles can turn the defense into a top-10 unit, which is, you know, I'm betting against that, which is why I'm mm-hmm. picking Alabama. But that's it's, smart. But it's possible. Like, it's, there's – there, it is in the realm of possibility that Ohio State has a top 10 defense next year. And if they do, they just might win the whole thing just because that offense is going to be so good. So who is your pick again? Alabama. Okay. Okay. All right. Good deal. Troy. So you're saying that just to go back to your, you're saying Ohio State needs a top 10 defense to win the championship this year? Well, I, I think if it, I think if it was top 10, like I would probably pick them. Like, if it's top 20, they have a chance. Mm-hmm. I agree. I would probably lean Ohio State at this point. Do you guys realize you talk, you're saying all this stuff about uh, Bryce Young and the, the players that he has, but who's he going to throw the ball to? Uh, what, what are their proven commodities, commodities at receiver? What happened when Jamison Williams went down? I mean, that's the only reason they lost to Georgia. Just kidding. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> You look at the offense that Ohio State has next year, uh, Notre Dame, their entire uh, defensive staff needs to be real nervous. For, I mean, I, like, I don't know. I, I'm well aware. You, yeah, I don't know. I, I Like, it is true that the only reason – if Alabama would have won this year, I would pick Ohio State. But what Ashton said is very true that – I mean, Nick Saban, he's the original owner of the the underdog mentality thing that Dabo adopted uh, once Nick Saban could no longer use it anymore. And he is going to love that. And if they get to see Georgia again, you better believe that everything they have is coming as far as, I mean, they're, they're going to prepare for that like never before. But I'm, I'm going to take Ohio State. Put me down. Put me down for Ohio State. They it look they recruit so good, they have. I don't know, one A one B at quarterback in in with Bryce Young, they have better receivers. Travion Henderson is better running back than anything Alabama has. Although the Georgia Tech transfer for Alabama is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that will be that will be interesting to see. I mean, and he was good at Georgia Tech. I mean, they had they had. No, no line. And uh, you put him at Alabama behind their offensive line, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take Ohio State. Okay. I hope we're all so, wrong. So just, yeah, no, no kidding. That's, yeah, a bleak, that's a bleak outlook, right? We have to pick between <laughs> – we have two Alabama picks and Ohio State pick. I Just, yeah, real quick and, and kind of on the Ohio State 
whole the whole thing. And I think we actually have a show, an upcoming show, where we'll do this like an in depth dive on on Ohio State, kind of like a, also the program for for the Buckeyes as well. Because I think I think it maybe goes a little overlooked. I think their their ability to come back and beat Utah and Cam Rising getting hurt, Cam Rising Utah's quarterback getting hurt, I think masked a a kind of a narrative that Ohio State literally could not stop the run last year, like could not stop the run with the exception of the Michigan State game where Michigan State just decided not to run with the best running back in football didn't make sense. But like, I think that whenever they played a physical team, you saw it with when they played Oregon last year, when they played Michigan last year, um, I think and, and even Utah, like just like just dump trucked them. I, no, I think I think Knowles, like I, I do feel that they will get it fixed. However, I don't think that you can just manufacture like I don't think they have first round defensive defensive linemen. I don't think that Ohio State has that. And like I, I there's only so much a scheme can fix um, as far as like running a game at the at some point, you just have to have a Jordan Davis as like like you just can't come up the middle anymore. And like I that would maybe be where like because I agree. I think Ohio State's offense is maybe slightly better than Alabama's. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, you can almost call it a wash. Like they're both really, really good. And Ohio State definitely has better receivers or at least proven ones that we know of. So yeah, like, uh, no, I understand. I, I do. I would probably pick those two in the championship game right now. I think they're probably the best two, but I think, I, I, I think I'm, I'm concerned. Like if I was an Ohio State fan, I would be really concerned about their lack of ability to stop the run because like, they we saw them lose a couple of games last year when that happened and it could have been three it could have been three had cam rising not gone down they would have lost three games and like that's what clemson's record was you know and like we view that we view clemson as having a really bad year when ohio state like now we view them as like kind of the uh, you know a preseason darling even though like they they could have been they could literally be at the same place right now yeah, Alabama, Alabama. I mean, you were talking about close calls. I mean, as if, if we're going to play that game for last year, Alabama should have never had an opportunity. I mean, they, they were dead in the water to Auburn. I mean, that, that game was over. Arkansas nearly beat them. Uh, I, I disagree with the idea that a scheme that a scheme can't fix this for Ohio State. So it is true that you have to have good players, but Ohio State recruits at they, they have good players. Do they not have – I mean, I, I guess I don't know exact – I don't know their, their the, the ranking of their stars on the, on the defensive line, but they're, they're, they're not scrubs. And you take – okay, Brent Venables, for example, in a couple different years at Clemson where there was a down year on the defensive line. He schemed that defense into being successful, whether that is bringing blitzes from different places, just different things that he did that that schematically made their deep patched up their their defense that had a lack of talent in certain areas mm-hmm. and and they i mean they for sure have and part of that was because clemson had good players to do that you know in those spots so that they, they maybe had weaknesses but they had great players somebody like isaiah simmons could cover a a lack of a, a, a defensive tackle you know, because you, you have somebody that, that was all over the field. That So I'm saying Ohio State fits that mold really good for having really good players to cover a weakness. But their, their, co- their coaching has got to be a huge part of it. Like if they really do have a, the, a, a good defensive coordinator come in there and take that and, and go with it, they'll be, 
they're going to be successful on defense. Got to. I think personnel wise, they sh- they're probably more worried about their linebackers than their defensive line. They yeah. recruited and very safeties, well. Safeties yeah. as well. True. But yeah, if they figure it out, because it, it does make a huge difference. I mean, I, I saw the best, the best offense I've ever seen at Notre Dame was in 2015. Um, the, the year that they went to Clemson and lost by two points. And then they also went to Stanford in their last game and lost by two points again to a top 10 Stanford team. That was the best offense offense Notre Dame has ever had in my lifetime. And it was national title worthy, but the defensive coordinator was Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> and, and with Jalen Smith on that defense and a host of other stars who ended up playing in the NFL, like they had probably seven or eight NFL defensive players on that team. And they had the number 60 defense in the country or something. And it, yeah, it wasn't the players. It was just the, the coordinator matters. Like it, it really does make a difference. Um, yeah. Anyway, somehow I turned that into a Notre Dame thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, one final quick question. This could be a 14 second answer. I'm, not, I'm looking at the Heisman odds for next year. The top five are Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, B. John Robinson, and D.J. Uyunglele. Taking those out of the equation, pick a random name other than those five. Who do you think is maybe a nice long shot for the Heisman next year? Hang on, hang on. Still okay. working here. Okay. Shall uh, I read off like the next ten names for you? Sure. Go ahead. I think I have mine. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Jackson Dart, Spencer Rattler, Travion Henderson, Will Anderson, Dylan Gabriel, Tyler Van Dyke, JT Daniels, Quinn Ewers, Braylon Allen, Keaton Slovis, Anthony Richardson, Sam Hartman, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, Jackson Smith and Jigba is actually interesting because like, that dude is freaky. Oh my goodness. Like that. Yeah, like that's legitimate. There, uh, there's there needs to be a little bit of of legitimate um, kind of hype there. I think. Ah, Jackson Dart's gonna put up big numbers at Ole Miss. Yeah, like, no question, no question. He's going to. I think I'm I'm gonna go with Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Give me that. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Troy, you got any thoughts? Any any predictions? Just yeah. wild off the cuff. Spencer Rattler on that list. LOL. Uh, but <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna stick to my to my original thing there about the Alabama running back and I cannot think of his name. Jameer Gibbs. Transfer from Jameer Georgia. Gibbs. There you go, Jameer Gibbs. I'm taking Jameer Gibbs. Uh, nice. Now I don't like Robinson is ahead of him probably on the depth chart. That's going to be an issue and at least splitting time. So that that could be an issue there. But I, I think I think he is a. I, I really did not like that transfer just because that is going to that's, – that's going to be an issue. I'll, I'll throw a couple of names out. I'm just taking – I like I like long-shot quarterbacks that, like, my picks are either going to, like, come nowhere close or it's going to be brilliant. <laughs> so, like, Quinn Ewers, <laughs> like, if Texas has a 10-2 and two type of Texas's back season, like, I think Ewers could put up big numbers in that offense. Um, Anthony Richardson, if same story with Florida, if they have a 10 and two type season where Florida's back and then way down at plus 15,000, my guy, Tyler Buckner. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Time to wrap it up. Okay. (laughs) Homer Buckner. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Occasionally, I like to be a homer. Anyway, all right. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Troy, for joining us. Um, thanks, Ashton, for your thoughts as well. Um, really enjoyed this. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Tell all your friends have a great week, and God bless. <laughs>